Howdy folks, Chris McLean back with another episode and today in the studio all the way from Dubai in the UAE, I have Kishore from SEO Souk and they started off as an SEO agency but evolved into a B2B lead gen agency that works with large companies in the United Arab Emirates and probably they're the only SEO agency that doesn't actually do SEO anymore. So very interested to talk to Kishore and understand and find out that journey from being an SEO agency to not being an SEO agency. Kishore, thank you so much for dropping by. Thanks, Chris, for having me on the show, and it's great to be here. Uh, so as you rightly said, we are probably one of the only agencies, SEO agencies, which don't do any SEO. <laughs> so obviously you started with SEO, and SEO souk, a souk for people that I guess don't live in the Middle East is a market essentially, right? So an SEO market for people that don't know what a souk is. Um, would that be accurate that a souk is essentially a market? That's absolutely right. In Arabic, it does mean market. And initially when we started the company, we were planning to do SEO, but we quickly find out, uh, found out that there's a lot of agencies which are doing SEO. And so uh, the, the pricing for SEO is quite on the lower side mm-hmm. and there's a lot of competition. So we didn't yeah. want to enter a red ocean. We wanted to find a blue ocean for ourselves. So mm-hmm. that was the uh, decision we uh, behind moving away from SEO. Right, right. How long ago did you set up the company? Uh, the company was set up in 2016, um, okay. June in 2016. Mm-hmm. So uh, our journey uh, started uh, approximately uh, five years ago. Okay. And, and before that, did you have sort of advertising marketing experience or what, what got you into? Uh, how did you decide to set up your own venture? Yeah, sure. So I was working in the advertising industry. I used to work with Sachi, one of the largest creative okay. agencies in the world. Mm-hmm. And I moved from Sachi into uh, into the digital space when I worked with HSBC as a digital uh, analytics manager. And from there, mm-hmm. I worked with a, a Canadian digital agency called uh, WSI for, for five years. And while I was working in WSI, I got the idea of uh, studying my own. And uh, that's how I uh, started uh, SEO Soak in 2016. Okay. Okay. And you started it by yourself. Did you have partners in the business or was it just yourself to begin with? Uh, it is myself to uh, begin with. I d- didn't have any plans to take on partners because I had analyzed uh, several business models. I could see yeah. that it is um, always better to be on your own for the company's growth as well as your own you know, mental happiness. So no plans to uh, take on partners. That was my idea from the beginning itself. Mm, okay, cool. And you obviously you found SES at the, at the beginning, you saw that SEO was um, the space. Did, did you, had you done sort of SEO and search marketing previously in your other agency roles or was it more that you just saw an opportunity in that market before you sort of pivoted away from it? Why did you start with SEO? in the first place? The earlier agency was primarily into uh, paid advertising, much more than SEO. But the reason I was fascinated with uh, SEO was uh, it didn't come with a lot of uh, trouble with clients. So the earlier agency always used to run into issues with Mm -hmm. KPIs when you're running paid campaigns. 
and so i was trying to get away from that but i quickly realized that uh, it's uh, seo is not what it looks like from the outside and i need to get away from seo as fast as possible <laughs> Yeah, right. And what and so you made that transition and you moved more into the lead gen space for B2B. So what what plat did you move to sort of Facebook or LinkedIn advertising or Google? Um so what what did you pivot to in terms of platform and delivery to to do that lead gen side of things? Yes, it quite happened quite uh, accidentally. I was very active on uh, LinkedIn and I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn now too. So I used to make a uh, daily post and uh, my posts are read by approximately 5 to 10,000 people on a daily basis. Wow. So that kind of gave me a lot of leverage on uh, LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And a couple of agencies, I mean a couple of clients reached out to me and asked me if uh, I was interested in uh, writing about them on LinkedIn and if it could lead to uh, inquiries for them, they would be very happy to to have me on board so that was the trigger mm-hmm. when we moved into B, b2b lead generation okay and 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 linkedin is really the platform that you're doing that on yes linkedin is uh, the best platform to get organic leads if you mm-hmm. have um, if you have cloud on that uh, platform as you know uh, you need to have a lot of reach on linkedin to get a response uh, mm-hmm. from prospects uh but at the same time if you try to run ads on linkedin it could be pretty expensive because right. the uh, per click cost is between 3 to 5 dollars per click right. which means right. for a 1000 um, clicks you could end up sp- uh, paying 5000 dollars to linkedin wow wow ads wow so what what is what does that number look like if i wanted to you talked about having enough reach to kind of get that scale is that in terms of just your connections your first level connections what sort of number are you sort of looking at in terms of getting that say a thousand eyes a thousand eyes on a piece of content what sort of network size are you running to get that kind of leverage i think you would require at least 10000 um right. connections first level connections to get some kind of reach but more okay. importantly it's what you write that makes a lot of difference mm-hmm. so the trick to making linkedin work in favor for you is to write something which will uh, stop the reader in their tracks and take notice of what you have written and make them think about what you have written so that may seem a little easy to start out with but actually making the user do that is pretty tough because a lot of people are scrolling around on facebook instagram and even linkedin mm-hmm. so to make them stop and make them read and make them think and make them take an action like uh taking note of your mobile phone and calling you back is extremely complex but once you master that there are a lot of companies out there which are happy to pay uh, quite well for uh, those kind of leads mm-hmm. so what 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 sort of techniques and tactics are you finding a best for that that scroll stopping um is it images is it video is it just a really great headline is there anything in particular that you see working really well to to stop that scroll and then get people into obviously the content itself has to resonate really well and have have a right message and all that kind of stuff but that's sort of that first thing of stopping the scroll what do you find works really well for that that's a great question and i've experimented with a lot of uh, formats 
So what I've seen is that the text post with a poll inside that text post seems mm. to be getting the highest number of reach. Right. And it's followed by the carousel post, which has got images. Uh, and then it comes to uh, a, an image, a post with an image, and last, mm -hmm. uh, a, a post with a video. So the video oh, seems wow. to be the one which is getting the lowest reach. But mm -hmm. each of these posts has got its own strength. And if you can exploit the possibilities of each of these posts, you could, uh, you could actually be quite... Uh, successful on uh, LinkedIn. Mm. I prefer the text post uh, because that seems to be uh, making people think and taking an action. So right. uh, when I make a post, I'm expecting people to not only um, stop the scroll and read, but I'm also expecting them to either message me or set up in a business meeting or give me or giving me a call back. So that is mm. my expectation. Uh, from a post. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And is that is that visibility, is that a LinkedIn kind of algorithm thing that they're giving preference to text and polls over video? Because I have I have heard that before um, from another guest on the show that said that LinkedIn really isn't prioritizing or pushing video as much as some of the other platforms. So it's interesting that you mentioned that again that they're really deprioritizing video over things like polls. And, and just straight text content? Yeah, it looks like they are prioritizing text. Mm. And I think it could uh, be because uh, LinkedIn is being consumed a lot in offices, wherein people are in mute mode and probably not able to listen mm. to videos. So that mm. could be one of the reasons. Uh, at the same time, from our perspective, as we don't have control over their algorithm, we are just trying to take advantage of what is available and trying to make mm -hmm. the best out of that. So mm -hmm. that has been my thinking and it has, quite, it has worked quite well for us. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting that. Um, so so heard that a couple of times now, but really interesting that they're... So with, with text being very prominent, obviously copywriting, right, starts to become really, really important, um, if not critical, is, is writing engaging copy. Um, to actually, so you've got the attention now. You've actually got to essentially sell them with your words. Um, so, is copywriting something that you've sort of something that you prioritize in what you, when you work with your clients? Is writing engaging copy? That's right. Yeah. Since I had a copywriting uh, background, it was quite easy for me. But it's something which okay. anyone can really master, and it's more of storytelling than copywriting, mm -hmm. which actually mm -hmm. makes an impact. Now, it becomes a little bit more effective when you can use your story almost like a parable and you can hide your real intention inside the story without the consumer really being aware of what's happening to them. So they are engaged in the story and you have uh, slipped in your marketing message through your story and it has entered their realms of uh, thinking even before they have realized that they have been marketed to. So that mm. is a kind of um, strategy which works well because people are always interested in reading stories. And when yeah. each story has got something hidden behind it, almost like a Trojan horse entering their brains, and they don't realize that you are being uh, marketed to because it's being put forward as a nice little innocent story. So that's how I, 
look at uh, content marketing on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, I love that approach. Sort of using that parable um, and anal- analogies and parable and story. And so, g- give us an example of that. It, do, could you give us an example of what that looks like? Is that a are you using you know personal stories from your life, or are you kind of just making up like a, a parable from the Bible type thing? That's a they say a story, a, a sales message, a mechanic built into more of like a you know a biblical parable. Um, or something like the uh, richest man in Babylon, right? This sort of writing, which is a that there's lots of lessons in there, but it's in that sort of parable um, format. How are you writing these? Is it your personal experience and a personal story? Are you going more into sort of fantasy and fiction? For for me, it has uh, always been easier to uh, look at my own personal experiences or the experiences that I've heard from friends. And converting all of those into actionable uh, stories on LinkedIn, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't sit down and imagine a story and then try to connect the marketing message because it doesn't work with my kind of thinking. So mm-hmm. I always try to find some kind of life experiences which I've had or I've heard uh, from some of my friends, and then I try to make a uh, quick connection with what I'm trying to sell. Uh, but the most important thing is I don't make the marketing message very obvious. It's always hidden behind what I'm trying to say. So sometimes I might start off uh, a story with a clickbait kind of headline, which makes the person uh, stop the scroll. And they're half expecting to read something which is not, um, which is not very true. But the trick is to say something which is very, very factual, which actually answers a clickbait uh, headline. And then uh, you have actually achieved two things. You have, uh, you have a clickbait headline which has raised intrigue, which has created interest, which has made the person kind of like, I'm sure this is, uh, this is not true. And they want to find out uh, what you have written uh, which is not true so that you know they can feel okay yes so i was right this isn't mm-hmm. true but then <laughs> when they read the whole post they are taken off their guard and find that it's all filled with facts it's very factual and mm-hmm. so now the marketing message has entered their realm without them knowing it and that mm-hmm. kind of makes an impact because they have been uh, exposed to something surprisingly new and then you know their emotions have been raised and you have slipped in the marketing message while all of this was happening so mm. that is an, an interesting approach to um you know enter mind space and as we all know yeah. mind space is the most uh, expensive uh, media which is out there mm-hmm. yeah i love that um bait and switch approach but from a genuine place yeah. right we, we hear i mean clickbait it's a yeah. generally kind of a, a negative term because it generally leads yeah. to clickbait to rubbish articles yeah. and um, you're sort yeah. of setting an expectation of this big story yeah. and it turns out to be nothing. Um, but yeah. I like that you're you're sort of leveraging that that psychology because obviously yeah. that stuff works, right? That's why there's so much of it out there. Um, and a great place to look is magazine art, like magazine front pages, right? Magazine covers. It's very clickbaity. It's very sensationalist. Um, it's, it's drama, it's blowing things out of proportion, 
but obviously that that you know, that that methodology that method's been around for hunt for as long as magazines and newspapers and communications been around so obviously there's something about that right there's something just as, as a human species we're engaged by that stuff so i like that you, you're yeah. taking that and then you're spinning it to actually add value and that's I can see how that's an amazing sort of psychological switch for you. Almost, as you say, you're almost clicking into the clickbait to so to prove it wrong and go prove yourself. This is going to be rubbish, and I'm going to write. I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to comment how rubbish this is, and you kind of buy into that psychology a bit. But then you're like, oh, actually, that was really valuable. <laughs> so it's yeah. How did you sort of come up with that? Did it, was that something that just sort of naturally? evolved for you or is that something you experienced sort of through your agency um, experience before or was it just sort of a natural way for you to communicate uh, it actually happened by accident while i was in my earlier mm-hmm. agency even before um, seo so i wrote one article on um, linkedin and at that point of time not many people had the option to write on linkedin because it was not open to everyone so LinkedIn uh, like, had for uh, yeah. some reason, yeah. So LinkedIn had for some reason given me that opportunity, and I wrote an article uh, about a film star in in, in India, and within half an hour, uh, a person called me from a JLTA, and uh, he wanted to have a meeting uh, with me the next day. So I went for the meeting just to see how the LinkedIn article had uh, impacted him. So that mm-hmm. I was very curious about that. And during that meeting, we had a discussion and they wanted to do uh, digital marketing with that agency, which I was working with. And mm-hmm. he handed me a contract. So on the way back, I, I was thinking to myself that just by writing an article on LinkedIn, I was able to get a contract and I had run no ads. I had made no cold calls. I didn't do any cold emailing. So this mm-hmm. uh, seems to be a very powerful uh, strategy. And uh, after starting SEO Souk and after finding out that SEO really is not um, a good place to be in, so I remembered that uh, strategy and then I reverted back to LinkedIn to start using something which had worked for me in the past. So that Mm -hmm. was the trigger actually to Mm -hmm. creating content. And I realized creating content was helping me in two ways. One, it was attracting um, clients for myself. And secondly, it was also helping me to increase my reach on a daily basis, which meant when clients approached me, uh, I was able to give them kind of uh, KPI-driven packages, which is uh, quite useful when people are spending a lot of money on uh, uh, B2B campaigns. So it was helping Mm -hmm. me in both ways. Yeah, well, yeah, really interesting. You sort of stumbled across that. Method. So you talked about writing articles. Is is that what you're doing? And so you're writing, you're publishing articles rather than just publishing posts. So in LinkedIn, you kind of have those two options, right? You have a post which is limited to five thousand characters or something, I think, and then you've got articles which is like a blog post, essentially, right? Which is sort of infinite. Are you actually writing articles and putting and the headline in that is clickbait, and that's what you're publishing? Is that sort of how that's working, or is it is it posts, or is it both? Um, initially, when I started off, I was doing articles, and that was in uh, 2016. But yeah. then uh, I moved into posts because the articles no longer get the reach that right. uh, 
you desire on LinkedIn. So it's mm. only the posts which get a reach. So uh, definitely I transitioned into posts with the shorter text and also it's easier to create and because I post on a daily basis, I need to do it fairly quickly. So uh, that format actually works quite well because you're forced to say what you're trying to say in a short uh, number of uh, paragraphs. Yeah. And so uh, so that format is easier uh, to operate because with a, with a few sentences, you are actually telling a story, you are creating interest, and then you are sliding in the marketing message and you'll be able to get a response. And plus, I always use a poll at the end of my uh, post uh, because I like to get some additional response from the consumer because you can actually use the poll to further um, further stress the point which you are trying to make in the in the post. So my poll is trying to extend uh, the influence uh, using that last bit. So I'm, I'm maximizing the space which is provided by LinkedIn to mm-hmm. um, to activate all aspects of the reader's thinking process. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's that's really interesting. So you're writing a good story and article, and what what is the is the poll? Obviously, something related to a question that you're posing inside the article, or is it you know something like, "Was this? Did you find this article helpful?" What what sort of poll are you? How are you using that poll? What type of question is uh, that? Yeah, that's a very interesting uh, question. So the poll on its own can actually make um, users think. So it's not uh, used to ask them whether they like the uh, post or not, because that would be quite easy to do. And there's no much uh, thinking being done there. Mm-hmm. But rather what I try to do is I try to extend the argument which I'm making in the post. And I try to give them a couple of options, which look like options, but they are not really options. They're all centered around what I'm trying to sell. So the poll actually doesn't give much options to the reader. Although technically it looks like you have multiple options in a poll. Mm -hmm. What they're doing is uh, they're actually circling around different aspects of the same argument that you're making. So whatever Mm -hmm. choice the reader makes, they are actually playing into what you are trying to do. And they are making Mm -hmm. a choice uh, which you want them to make. So uh, the poll on its own is actually a very, very powerful uh, tool, which is not Mm -hmm. being exploited a lot by many people. Yeah, well... Yeah, so you're getting them to essentially self-select themselves into your content and sort of answer it for themselves from a different perspective. So you might ask a question like, "Do you want do you want to make more money, increase your revenue, or get more clients?" <laughs> Something like that. It's different options, but kind of the same thing, right? Is is that kind of the perspective you're taking? Yes, that that that's right. Yeah. And it gives the user the feel that they're making a uh, choice. And sometimes mm-hmm. the, the poll options itself is triggering of new ideas, uh, which wasn't there in the post. So it's taking them right. further down the, the track that you want them to move. And 
that kind of poll on a daily basis kind of makes your content distinguishable so many people tell me that when they read my posts on a daily basis they kind of know that it's my post without even looking at who has written that post because right. that signature kind of style uh, stands out so it's very easy for them to identify who the post has been written by so i guess over a yeah, period of time you can cool. actually brand yourself or your personality on linkedin by using a very specific kind of writing and uh, storytelling mm. Mm. yeah really cool really really interesting and i'm de- definitely if i'm not already I'll, i'm definitely going to start following you and start dissecting that strategy because it sounds very very cool um yeah yeah really insightful stuff for sure really really different i hadn't sort of heard that approach before um, I think it's really valuable for people that are looking to sort of move into that B2B market and engage in that power of LinkedIn because it's a really, really powerful platform for direct connection, getting business done um, in that B2B space. So if people do want to connect with you um, sort of over on LinkedIn and or find out more about you in other places, um, where are the best spots for them to come and connect with you? Obviously, LinkedIn's going to be one of those spots. Yes, LinkedIn is uh, definitely the place to connect. And we also have a group on Facebook called Digital Marketing Dubai, which has got 36,000 members. And we bring in speakers, right. thought leaders from a variety of industries to come and speak in our group too. So, Or, or they could visit our website, which is seosook.com. So we'd be happy to have a conversation with uh, interesting people. And it's been great uh, speaking to you. No pleasure. Been really, really insightful. Um, love to find out new strategies and new insights about how people are engaging out in the social world. And this was really unique. So yeah, appreciate you dropping by. Really appreciate you getting up super early on a weekend as well for yourself <laughs> in Dubai. You can, uh, no. can you go, go and get your day started or get back into bed, whatever is the plan for your uh, relaxing Friday over there. Thank you. Thank you very much. pleasure pleasure i'm sure everyone tuning in got some great value out of that um i know i did so i will drop all of the links to kashura in there go hunt him down follow him over on linkedin and see if you can get understand his strategy and and make it work for you i certainly know if you're going to follow me over on linkedin you might see some some poll posts coming up in the (laughs) in the coming weeks (laughs) certainly sounds like something to try out um so yeah let's go flood linkedin with polls but I mean, awesome stuff, Kishore. Thank you so much for spending the time Thank here. You. Thanks, everyone, Thank for you. tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks.